Welcome to FinTech Fridays. Oh yeah! It's a weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada and Partners. Covering all things FinTech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance. Welcome to the FinTech Friday podcast. My name is Tristram Way, and I'm your host for today's session on behalf of the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada. FinTech Friday gives us a chance to talk to interesting personalities from the FinTech space. Today, my guest is Chris Grimes from fundmore.ai. Chris, great to have you here. I appreciate that, Tristan. I'm looking forward to the conversation today. Well, let's, uh, let's start off with a bit about your background. What was your journey prior to Fundmore? Yeah, so I've probably, you know, like most technology, uh, technology founders, I uh, had zero uh, coding experience, zero technology experience and decided I would start a, a technology company. Um, I actually, my background started in banking. So, you know, while, while I was going to school, I was, uh, I started as a teller at uh, one of the big banks and then jumped ship to the, the, the green colored ship and we drove uh, on the investment side of the world and then eventually into CIBC where I, I sort of got my footing in the mortgage space. I was there for a, a few months and realized, you know, there was this cool world of mortgage brokering. Didn't know very much about mortgages. I'd only been in it for about six months, but I said, you know, this was a, a cool, cool industry and I was going to go and uh, dive head first into it. So I left the security of the bank, started a mortgage team in Ottawa back in 2006 and into 2007 and sort of away I went, um, traveled through um, a couple of different brokerages and, and got to experience um, what it was like at different, uh, different brokerage houses here in Canada, but really started to understand the, the mortgage process that both a, uh, a lender goes through and more importantly, what the consumer is going through. And you know, to quickly summarize, um, what I found was every single time the government came out and added a new regulatory change or every single time there was a bit of a change in the market, it really impacted the borrower's experience. And as a team, we started realizing that there had to be better ways of processing mortgages. And, and we began this sort of journey on, on the broker side of the, of the space and, and, and looking at helping my actual mortgage team become more efficient at processing more mortgage files. And as we did that, we started realizing that this, this actually stemmed not necessarily from the broker side or even the consumer side, but really it fell back on the lending side and sort of the, the, uh, the, the um, impact that they had um, based on the regulatory guidelines and, and the underwriting guidelines that these lenders had to underwrite, it became extremely arduous process. Um, they have huge workforces spending hours and hours a day going through paperwork, analyzing applications for credit risk. And as this process goes on, it becomes more and more um, of a time consuming uh, exercise. If you look today, I think it takes roughly 40 days to, to fund a mortgage. Costs to underwrite are going and funding is, is in particular going through the roof. There's a lot of factors that go into that, but um, uh, and especially if you look at, you know, in the U.S., there the numbers are more than nine thousand dollars to fund a mortgage today. It's staggering. Profitability on mortgages are going down year over year, um, and it's becoming a, a much more 
and, and, and really it's all driven by, by labor costs and a lot of it are just simple inefficiencies because they're forced to do certain things that automation can do a really good job and not necessarily replacing people, but really assisting people and making them more efficient. And that's really where we see Fundmore as, as a bit of a game changer for these uh, mortgage lending companies, being able to leverage machine learning, artificial intelligence, and uh, automation to, uh, to give them a better, sort of a, a better head start when, they're, when they get the application in the door. Oh, for, for people that, you know, that maybe have, have had some interaction with a mortgage broker and, and have been through the process, but, you know, don't really get to see the, you know, the, all the other things that go through during those 40 days. What, what does that process look like and, and why does it take so much time? Yeah, so if you're a, I'll pick a first time home buyer as an example. So you've decided you're going to buy your first home. You've, you've chosen to work with a mortgage broker, or maybe even just go right to one of the big banks and you walk in the door and you say, I want to get a mortgage. Bank says, great. We're here to help you. We're excited. And we're going to hand you a mortgage application and you're going to complete the mortgage application. This might be done in person. Today, there are tools that maybe allow you to do it online. And it feels like the experience is, is, is getting better because maybe they don't ask you 20 or 30 minutes worth of questions. They might only ask you 10 or 15 minutes worth of questions uh, to start with, but it's only a starting point. After you completed the mortgage application, they have to actually do all the due diligence to validate that mortgage application. And, and what that means is uh, today, roughly 60 documents are required to actually validate that information. So you will tell your lender, I make X amount of dollars. You have to validate that with anywhere up to five or six pieces of documentation today to actually confirm that. Same with down payment. There are anti-money laundering laws. There are uh, counter-terrorism funding laws. There are um, uh, know your client um, requirements that these lenders have to have to do to actually validate you as, uh, as, as somebody that can could have a mortgage. Um, this is all before they've even thought about you know whether uh, on the credit guidelines if it even meet, meets their credit guide uh, their credit guidelines to even lend to you or you know the affordability factors so that you can see how all this starts compiling and you know to, to look at down payment and then meet all those check marks I just talked about AML CTF and KYC documents um, you know you're looking at at least probably another half dozen to a dozen documents to verify that information especially today um, cost of housing is going up um, you know, there's some housing shortages and things like that that's occurring. And, you know, people looking to get into the, to the market today um, are, 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 are faced with these, these challenges um, that, you know, they may not have all that money sitting in their bank account where, you know, traditionally, if you're buying a home and it was $250,000, you probably could save that 5% or 10% or 20% quite quickly. Today, it's a lot more difficult. And so you rely on parents or you rely on um, other sources of, of, uh, of funding to be able to help secure your down payment. And all of these little things you're going to do to actually buy your home actually make it more difficult for the lender today to actually approve you because they have to collect more documents. So this is really the biggest driving um, uh, time factor behind, behind the 40 days. Uh, we were talking to one of the large lenders this summer and they were telling us they employ 50 people um, simply to look at documents and then go through a a document checklist. They look at an appraisal. They have four pages of uh, four letter size pages of one line check marks that somebody has to go through to validate that appraisal um, as an example. So you can see it's, it's quite, th th that's really what's driving a lot of the, the, the time factor. 
There's also the issue, um, Equifax and Home Trust did a study last year, and they found that 70% of mortgage applications have some sort of fraud involved with them. I mean, it's, it can be as simple as you, you misstated your income, which coming from the mortgage broker background and any other mortgage brokers listening to this, they'll know most people will say they make $100,000 when the truth is they make you know, 96500 it's not a big glaring, you know, error, but it does require additional time on the back end and even on the on the front end to validate that information. Um, so if there were ways to go about this, you know, i.e. looking at some of the technology solutions in the industry today, um, Flinks in Canada, Stripe in the U.S., you know, they have these these uh, these tools now where you can scrape bank account data, and it has some analytics built in um, where it can help sort of validate this information at source rather than having to go through the phase of first time home buyer gives you an application with a number, lender asks for a bunch of documentation and someone's manually checking it. So simple, a simple solution like that would save quite a bit of time um, in, in, in the process. Once you've gone through the app, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Finish. I was gonna say once you've gone through that documentation process, the application process, uh, you're now in a bit of a waiting period. And, and this is the, this is a period where the lender is going to make a final credit decision on you. So, you know, we've taken into account your credit, they've taken into account your income, your down payment sources. And uh, now they're going to take a bet on you that you are a good risk or you're not a good risk. And a lot of this is based on, you know, your, your, your credit profile. Um, and then they, and then they're, that'll take, could take up to two or three days. Uh, depending on, on how busy the lenders are and you'll get an approval. Assuming you get an approval, you know, you're really, you're in a position to, to maybe waive the condition or go out and, you know, find that property if you hadn't found one already. And then we have another phase where now the lender has to validate the property. So the first phase is all about you. The next phase is about the property. And some of this, if it's insured the insur through a mortgage insurance default insurance company like CMHC or Genworth or Canada Guarantee, they have some automated tools in their systems to help with that, but sometimes it becomes another manual process, especially if the property is slightly unique. So this can now add two or three or four or five days to the process where they're validating the property and making sure that, you know, if things go sideways, they have the ability to recoup their cost. After that phase is done, we now, we, we now typically get lawyers involved and, and they're doing title searches and they're, they're looking for anything else that might be, might come up as a potential risk and that can take several days and then the lender validates that information and it keeps going back and forth with the different parties that are involved and eventually 40 days go by and you can the lender's done all their processes and they're ready to fund your mortgage so basically there's you know there's at least five or six different groups by the sounds of it involved in this process and they all do completely different things and there's a ton of paperwork that needs to be moved around uh, it sounds like a pain in the butt. <laughs> That's how I would describe it today, for sure. I mean, it was a pain in the butt. Uh, it was 12 years ago when I bought my first property. But uh, you know, going, going through it now, even knowing everything I know about this industry, it's still, it is still a pain. <laughs> and, and, and this is a similar process for people that are doing uh, refinancings and stuff like that. Is, is, that, is that right? It, it is, uh, absolutely. Um, sometimes it can be even more challenging with uh, some of those off the B20 guidelines that came out in 2018 and 2016, you know, restricting some of the, uh, restricting how lenders can, can insure um, uh, refinances has really 
put a damper or really restricted, you know, some lenders and what they can actually offer you. So in some ways it's, you know, it can almost be worse because you have a, a smaller lending pool that was, that was willing to do that. Um, and now you're at, at the mercy of you know, several lenders instead of several hundred lenders. And what is the difference between, um, you know, let's say a, a, a bank approach to this versus a, um, uh, versus a private lender? What is, uh, like, a, is there some crossover there? Or are, they, are they totally different in terms of their approach to, to the mortgage market? Yeah, I, I often say this, uh, we do a lot of training with our agents on our, in our team, and, and this question comes up a lot. And the, the best way I always think to look at this is there's, you know, if you look at the sort of the, the key driving factors of our mortgage approval today, it's credit and your credit history and your basically what your credit report says. Um, then you have the affordability factor and you know, can you actually afford to live in that property or, or at least afford the mortgage. And then the third thing being the property. And if you look at the, the way, you know, sort of schedule one banks, the large, the TDs, the Scotias, the RBCs, et cetera, would underwrite something like that. It's really credit first, affordability second, property third. Um, they're really betting on the covenant on, on the applicant um, to, to being a good, a good uh, suitor assuming it meets their, their criteria. On the private lending side, it's flipped. It goes property number one, affordability number two, and credit number three. And the reason for that is typically they have a lower loan to value um, in what they're willing to, to, how much money they're willing to put up. And then two, you know, they wanna make sure that their asset is, can be flipped, put back on the street if something goes wrong with the mortgage. They don't wanna be holding a property that needs a lot of work. They don't want to be holding unique properties or properties out in, in rural areas. And most private lenders you'll see will you know, have very defined geographic areas, but not so much credit guidelines where a lender will not care so much about geography, but really care, or sorry, I didn't talk about the schedule one banks, will really care about um, uh, the, the, the applicant. So the credit, the income, things like that. Okay, and so and so, let's talk about fun more. Um, you know how you were saying a little bit about how it got started, but you know where did the idea evolve from, and and how does it help address some of the problems in this uh, in this area? Yeah, so fun, fun more, uh, as I started saying before, really really came about <clears throat> from this idea that I had a mortgage team of we had fifteen agents at the time, and how could we make them more efficient. We, we basically, I mean, there are certainly exceptions to this rule and I mean, the top brokers in Canada are going to exceed what I'm about to say, but you know, the average broker that we found over the last seven or eight years of running mortgage teams are really capped at about four files, maybe five files in a month. Personally, this is without extra teams of support and things like that. And um, you know, some certainly could do a lot more and some were doing a lot less, but it was sort of the average number was about four or five a month. And so we wanted to see, you know, what would it take to make them more, more efficient? What could we do to turn the needle from four or five to 10 or 12 or 20 or 50 files at any given time? And so we started scouring the world. I, I started looking in Canada, realized that we were really behind the ball is what, my, is what I actually realized eventually. There wasn't a lot of great solutions to make um, them more efficient. Certainly there are newer loan origination systems um, out there and there's some good ones and people are doing some companies doing some great things around that, but it wasn't changing anything. It was just making the wheel shinier. 
Um, and, and then you, when I started looking at the US and Australia and the UK, I started realizing that they were much further ahead on simple things that made a mortgage agent's life easier. And I started negotiating with them and saying, hey, I know you don't offer product in Canada, but what would it take to bring a product to Canada? And I started with a document management system um, and slowly rolled out and we ended up bringing in about four or five different platforms. And so what I was trying to do is make my team more efficient. What I ended up doing was giving them five platforms and nobody was using them because there was too many. So we had all these tools which were, which were meant to save time and no way of actually um, making it efficient. And that's how Funmore was born, to be honest with you. We, we brought in a, some, we hired a couple of co-op students and, uh, and, and brought in someone on the technology side and said, you know, here's our, here's what I want. I have all these platforms. I need to aggregate it into one platform so that somebody can go in, access all these data points to make their job easier. And so, you know, parts of that were validating income. Parts of this were validating property details. Part of this was validating uh, down payment information. All these things we talked about earlier about what I'm, somebody through a mortgage process has to go through. And, um, and so that's what we did. We started building all this platform. We, uh, we realized relatively, sh relatively uh, shortly into the process, I guess, um, that what we were building um, probably had way more value in the lending space and particularly, particularly in the uh, private and alternative lending spaces. And this is going to be companies like credit unions, um, mortgage investment corporations, private lending and uh, private lenders. Um, a lot of real estate lawyers um, represent a lot of private lenders, things like that, 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 you know, where their job was, you know, to actually underwrite these files, to be able to provide them a solution that could do many of these tasks for them and in seconds rather than in hours or minutes and saving them hiring additional staff and things like that. And so we went out to the market and we said, Hey, we have this idea. We've built half of it. What is it in there that you would need to actually make this a viable product for you? And so we did a lot of research, spoke to dozens of lenders of all different sizes um, and, and, and took their feedback and then built out fun more. What happened through that journey though, is that we realized it's great for the small private uh, lending institutions, um, you know, companies that were maybe running under $200 million in assets under management. But once you sort of exceeded that number and then you got into the larger credit unions and you got into the big, um, the large mortgage finance companies was that they had these legacy based systems that yeah, I would be shocked in our lifetime if they ever actually can replace them. They've invested too much time and they're very fragmented. But that didn't mean that our solution couldn't be available to them. It just had to be exposed in a different way. So through conversations with them, we've now launched our, our fun or we're launching our fun more score, which has three key components to it. Um, one is it, it triages and it triages based on the idea that every application that comes in the door, you know, has a lender will have a set of credit guidelines, but Credit guidelines, as I said, are really based on credit first, income second, or property third, or maybe flip, depending if it's a private investor or, or a large company. And were there other opportunities to make lending decisions outside of that scope? So bringing in additional data, 
better understanding that uh, that applicant to then give them an opportunity to potentially approve files that may not have even been in their scope. And then on the flip side is files that will never should never have come into that that lender. They don't have to spend time actually underwriting. So that's how we see this sort of triaging uh, function of our fund more score. A second component is is around the idea of risk and, and fraud identification. So, you know, we'll, we'll highlight, um, you know, if we think there's some issues with the application or we think there's issues with the documents we're gathering, um, we, we, can, uh, we can flag that and, you know, provide, uh, provide some analytics around the, the risk metric and, uh, of that applicant. And then the third part uh, is, is understanding the funding ratio. And this is a big challenge. One of the reasons why the costs of under of funding mortgages and underwriting mortgages have gone up so much is because, you know, on top of all the due diligence work, a lot of files just don't fund. I mean, some of the biggest lenders in Canada have funding ratios at 65%. And what that means is when they get a mortgage application in the door, they get the documents, that file doesn't actually get, get closed, so even if it meets their lending criteria. So everything else, they've sent out a commitment, they're, they're happy to fund the mortgage, the client doesn't actually go there. They may go off to uh, to another lender. They, maybe they just don't even, maybe they decide they don't want to buy a home or they decide they don't want to refinance the property anymore. But the lender's completely blind to that, to that decision-making. And what we're really looking at right now is um, through the data we have to be able to uh, better understand that score for them, that idea for them and, and provide that in our fund more score, um, which ultimately, again, helps drive profitability because one, they can work on files that are going to absolutely fund and maybe the ones that were at a much lower funding ratio or funding score opportunity, um, they may just pass. But I actually believe that the, the biggest value there is that it allows them to change the conversation, maybe change the narrative with that potential applicant and have a conversation around, you know, what is it going to take for us to close this, this file with you? Opposed to letting them walk out the door and go to another lender or go to another broker or go to another um, or, or you know, change their mind altogether. And that, is, uh, is part of that just, just like the amount of time that it takes to get this stuff done? Some of it is absolutely uh, timing. Some of it is you know, other factors. Uh, sometimes it's as simple as you know, another lender offering a promotion. Um, but a lot of this, you know, the, if the lender doesn't have a better, have a full picture of that applicant, um, outside of what comes in the application and the documents, they, they can't see that. Um, and so we're looking at data points now that can is able to start predicting some of these uh, um, uh, some of these metrics. And, and you were you're mentioning that there were some other elements that um, that the system can help uh, identify that that might you know clarify or you know help approve a mortgage that may not otherwise have been approved. Can you talk about a little bit about those? Yeah, I mean, some of that falls in the secret sauce, but uh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we're just well, we're wait, looking yeah, at. Don't, you don't want to give anything <laughs> away, but no, no. But uh, I mean, we're we're certainly looking at 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 a. We now have access to more data points on on when mortgage applications, and part of this is absolutely. So here here's here's how I've I've been sort of talking about fund more in, in, in from another perspective, and maybe this answers this question. So if we look at uh, Europe and you look at the UK and you look at their advancements on open banking, you look at the US and the way they're interpreting open banking and you look at Canada, how we've just put a stick in the mud and said, well, 
I don't really know what to do. I don't know if we want to do it. I think we should. It's probably great. We're not really sure. And we're going to maybe leave it up to the big five banks, but I don't think so. We should let the government handle it. This is sort of where the discussions have been, even though the government has a mandate to really open up the discussions around open banking in Canada. And really what we've designed with our platform is an open banking type model where you know, we, because we've aggregated so many different data sets, um, a lot of it is uh, through consumer consent. So it's not, you know, we don't, we don't have access to this information just by, you know, flipping a switch. We have to get that consent from the consumer. Um, but it gives the control and the power to the consumer to, you know, to provide the information that, that they want to provide for us to help them make a, a better, almost a better proposal to the lender. So the lender can see a much bigger scope and a much bigger um, picture potentially of that lender, uh, of that applicant, sorry, direct, you know, direct with the application, opposed to the traditional method, which is, you know, application goes in, lender asks for the documents, validates the application, and we go back and forth for several weeks. So allowing the consumer to control the data and putting forward as much data points as they as they believe they want to, I mean, obviously we're we're, we're interpreting that within our, our algorithms, but um, it, it gives that, it, it, it does give them a bit more power in the application process and gives the lender a bigger picture of the applicant in, in, in themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and so, so what, so in terms of your, of your target market, are you focused you know, primarily on Canada now and, and with, with uh, you know, North America, Europe as a, as a potential expansion point, or what are your thoughts there? Yeah, right now we're really focused on on Canada and and delivering this, getting this product out to. And we have a goal of, you know, hopefully every, almost every mortgage application or every mortgage application in Canada will have a Fundmore score attached to it, with the ability for the lenders to, to better understand and, and take a deeper dive through our through our data and, and, and by us revealing that. To that actually means um, our 2021 goal is to enter the U.S. market with the with the scoring system and our key platforms. Um, and we also have, as I said, because of the relationships we built early on with these third-party companies in other uh, in Europe and in, in Australia, we're looking at uh, delivering some of our other core products to uh, to their markets through those through some channel partners there. That's great. Now, tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about the, you know, the evolving nature of the, the mortgage mar market as a result of, of uh, you know, 2020 and all the things that have been going on there. How is, how is that market changing? And, and how can, uh, you know, how is Fundmore helping in this environment? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest hurdles um, early on in 2020 with the pandemic was um, the idea of how are lenders going to process applications in a remote environment? You know, most lenders sent their staff home March, whatever it was, March 18th, like everyone else. And, you know, there was quite a bit of a backlog early on because it was it's, you know, still a very manual process. And so we're, you know, Fundmore really provides a, a, a can provide a key, um, uh, uh, an important tool uh, to expedite that process, especially in this remote environment. 
you know, being able to provide that sort of instant picture, um, not, not only um, you know, if you look at underwriting, it's typically a, a, a point in time, but not, not only looking at that point in time, which, you know, maybe March 18th wasn't so great, but also looking, you know, forward in, in that, in that application. So, you know, being with, with the way we, we make our predictions with our AI that, uh, you know, we, we can take that application and then look forward in the future. So the lender not only gets their sort of static point in, in, in time picture, but they also get to, you know, get an, a sense of where, where the file and where that applicant would be headed. Um, you know, in times like this, it doesn't make it, uh, it, it does make it challenging. So that was, that was sort of the first, the, the first thing that where, you know, we would have provided a, um, probably a much easier transition from many lenders if they, we're using our technology at the time um, and but also you know with the with this and I think the continuation of remote working and and you know wanting to provide their clients with a better experience a faster experience you know we're, we're in this really in this digital age now where you know it's not uh, um, it's not good enough anymore to you know, stick a mobile app up on your website and say, well, you know, we have an application and, and you can fill it out online or you can go on our, our website and fill out an application because it doesn't actually help the client. Sure, it's a different way of ingesting information. But for me, you know, this is information that probably should have been done in 2000, not 2020. And so, you know, how, how do you, so the, the next version of this is how do you turn that application into an instant approval? So if you look at the U.S., there's companies like Figure.com and and uh, Better.com, and they're, and they're providing solutions, lending solutions to their clients almost instantly, you know. And and they're doing that by using analytics. They're doing that by by understanding their you know, by understanding as much as they can from their applicant um, on application, not, um, not like, uh, not not on on the underwriting process. You know, if, if you look at this and you say, um, if you look at the insurance industry about 10 years ago, and you know, you started getting these online applications and you'd fill them out and, and uh, you know, would go to an underwriting desk and underwriting would still underwrite it and, and it would be approved. Today, and with companies like uh, Sonnet and things like this that are coming out in the marketplace and um, they're, they're underwritten on application and they're, done mostly using AI, some sort of machine learning uh, component in the background. Um, you know, so this is where I think the mortgage industry is right now that, you know, we are where the insurance industry was 10 years ago. You know, we're, we're trying to provide better solutions, but it's not actually changing the story. Where I believe in 10 years from now, you know, what we're trying to provide as a solution today will be the norm across the board. That if you expect to get a mortgage, you should have a mortgage. It, it shouldn't take 40 days. It shouldn't take a week. It frankly, it should be the same day. And there's a lot that goes into it. Absolutely. And it's one of the, if you look at lending as a whole, SME lending, um, credit card lending, a lot of this stuff has gone the analytics route and, and offer instant approvals. And again, a lot of it's driven by credit. The mortgage application process, um, you know, short of maybe commercial lending or, or large development lending, it's probably the most complex um, 
and there's a lot more that goes into it, which is why it's not here today, but you know, it, it's, it's coming and you know, we've, we, with what we're doing today, we can always, we can already turn a mortgage application in what would have been, you know, maybe a full week of work um, or several hours of work into several minutes of work. And so you know, we're not that far away from being able to actually tell you as a consumer, as an applicant for a mortgage, you have your mortgage approved. You can have the money in your account within two or three business days. A whole lot of people with a, with a lot of fingernail left, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a great well, analogy. <laughs> no, no, tell me, uh, you know, I'd like to hear more about your, um, your entrepreneurial journey. You know, what, what has that been like as a, as a founder? Um, I mean, you're, you're a subject matter expert, but what has it been like developing a company, exploring an idea? You know, yeah. how has that gone? It's been, uh, I, I would be lying if I said it wasn't uh, challenging at times, for sure. Um, you know, several late nights and, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, my, my partner sitting there and she's, uh, you know, basically saying, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but it, 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 coming from a, coming, as you said, I mean, I've, I've understood the mortgage space. I've been in it for a long time. I've, I've had some banking experience and but I didn't have any technology experience and, and I was lucky early on. Um, I didn't go through my full history and, and background, but uh, through another company I was involved with, I, I had uh, met uh, my, one of my co-founders and his background was in uh, technology. He launched and successfully exited um, multiple businesses, some through IPO, through some, through uh, some through private sale, um, things like that. And uh, mostly in the uh, health tech and, and, uh, and security tech space. Um, and he also ran a technology company, which was, which was useful. And so we, uh, we started talking about the mortgage industry and, you know, and his personal experiences and some of my personal experiences, like I said, just getting a mortgage today is not easy. Um, even for, even for people that, that understand it. And, um, you know, we were just basically chatting about the difficulties in the space and, and he started to get uh, more and more interested in it. And, and he's done a lot of real estate investment and things like that as well. So he, he did understand it from the, from that perspective. Um, but he did give me that opportunity to, uh, to sort of pitch him the idea of, you know, what, what, what if things were like this? And uh, he thought it was kind of an interesting idea. And we went out and started building something, spent about, I don't know. I think we threw maybe five or ten thousand dollars at something, and and uh, three months, and we realized, well, that was fun, but that's not going to go anywhere. And um, but you know, we were both sort of invested at this point in this idea of uh, of, of what fun more could be eventually. And we've probably pivoted at least a half dozen times in the eighteen months we've been in existence, and a lot of that has to do with you know. A, First, trying to develop products for the broker side, realizing that the challenges were on the lender side and then pivoting into that space um, as our product evolved and then realizing, well, this is great. We built out you know, a platform that only a select group of lenders can even use because you know, their legacy systems are so entrenched in their organizations that they can't even replace what they have. And then we had to pivot again and to, to 
so that they can ingest our, our systems um, and our analytics into their platforms. Um, so that that has sort of been a, one, one of the things I realized when you start a, a technology company that what you believe you have at the beginning is probably nowhere near what you're going to have when, you know, you're six months, 12 months, 18 months into your journey. Um, the second challenge we've obviously, or we've had is, is, uh, is delivering, you know, the sort of technology on time. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, I mean, as much as I've, I've said, it takes a long time to get a mortgage. I'm pretty, I can tell someone pretty early on in the application phase. Okay. I need this much time to get you approved. And I have that just from being in it for so long, I'll, I look at an application, okay, I need a week, I need two weeks. This is extra complicated. I might need three, I might need four. Um, you know, maybe I need 24 hours. But uh, on, the, on the technology side, I've learned that if, you, if someone tells you it's uh, a month, it actually means three. <laughs> if someone tells you it's, <laughs> it's three, it might mean six. <laughs> right. But, uh, but, but, uh, you know, I get, on, on the, um, on the other side though, it's been, uh, it's been an amazing, uh, sort of experience. You know, we've, we've got to work with, uh, already a lot of different, uh, different organizations. We were part of the invest Ottawa, um, uh, pre-accelerator program that turned into a pitch contest win, which turned into a, uh, being part of their accelerator program for, for a while. And uh, most recently because of the, AI work we're starting to do on, um, or really dive into, I should say. Um, we were just accepted into uh, Creative Destruction Labs, which is one of the largest um, um, uh, AI accelerator programs in, uh, in Canada. And, and, they, and now they're actually offering their program to universities through across, uh, across the world. They have launched one in Paris, U UK, they have three, I think in the US, and, and three or four in Canada now. So it's a tremendous, it's a tremendous organization. Like the 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 people that uh, that they collected for that is it's incredible. Dream team. Yeah, yeah. We were quite excited about that news. We just found out actually last Friday. So it's been uh, <laughs> it was a it was an exciting kind of weekend. Congratulations! On, on that That's great. Thank you. Yeah. So we're excited to get started with that, and that starts in a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had lots of. Like I said there's been a lot of. Uh, it, through going through this entrepreneurial journey, um, I think the my biggest takeaway on top of you know, the learning experiences about how technology companies actually work was uh, you know the the opportunity to meet and and work with so many uh, different people, um, in, in 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 different mentors and advisors and in, in leading in different spaces. So it's it's been quite uh, quite a journey so far. Now what, but we're uh, only a fraction of the way there. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and so what what are your plans for the future? Yeah, so I, we're we're now going to go into this program, um, and uh, and we're um, about to partner with a uh, with a university on uh, some on another research project around uh, AI, and uh, and and then really for us, it's it's driving our our product into into more lenders' hands um, to be able to provide our solution to make uh, their processes easier and you know, make their lives simpler, but you know ultimately impacting uh, the the end consumer, which is the person getting the mortgage. You know, we, we don't want it to take 40 days. We want, if a, somebody wants to get a mortgage, we want them to be able to have that, 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 that entire, as you said, nail biting, um, stress, anxiety wiped away because they know 
you know, they're, that they have an approval. They're sitting, they're driving around on a Sunday afternoon. They're looking at a, an open house sign. They pull out their phone and their phone says, oh, I can afford that. I have, I can fund this mortgage tomorrow if I decide to, I, I like that house and I want to sign a, a purchase offer that, you know, that, that's sort of the, the ultimate vision of how we want to be able to provide our, our tools to uh, lending platforms, to lending companies, to loan origination systems um, across North America. And then we'll, we'll see what the next, uh, next phase is. That's terrific. Now, you know, if anybody wants to get a hold of you or, or connect, uh, where can they do that, Chris? Yeah. I mean, you can always find me on LinkedIn. Um, just think it's Chris M. Grimes, but uh, our website's fundmore.ai. And uh, my email is chris at fundmore.ai. So anytime you want to reach me, feel free. I'm, I'm out there. Um, and uh, you can always call me too. Fantastic. Well, Chris, it's, uh, it's been great to chat with you. Very informative to get, uh, you know, for people that didn't have a full understanding of how the mortgage market work and its complexity. That was, that was very informative. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, again, I appreciate your time, Tristan. It was awesome speaking with you. And uh, as you said, if uh, anyone has any questions about the mortgage industry or just wants to ask questions about what we're doing, I'm, I'm always open to uh, have a discussion. So th thanks for your time. Awesome. You've been listening to Fintech Fridays, brought to you by NCFA and Partners. Tune in weekly for the latest Fintech Friday podcast by subscribing to this channel. The National Crowdfunding and Fintech Association of Canada is a nonprofit actively engaged with social and investment fintech sectors around the globe and provides education, research, industry stewardship, services, and networking opportunities to thousands of members and subscribers. For more information, please visit ncfacanada.org. Oh, yeah! 